Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Community Unite. Um, and t today's topic is going to be autism and business. It's, it's going to be a really interesting topic to hear from Corbin and Connell. And it, it, it's, 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 it's Corbin's first time on the podcast, so welcome to Corbin. And Connell has been on here a few times. I think the last one was when we did the Mental Health Awakening, I think, is when, when Connell yeah. was last on here. Um and yeah, so it's going to be really interesting and a really important topic. So, Corbin, if you if you start, could you start introducing yourself? Uh, hello, my name is Corbin. Um, I am autistic and I run my own business as a personal trainer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, um, especially in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Colin. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Connell. Um, if mo most of you don't know me already, I'm also on the spectrum and I do, I'm an avid uh, gym goer, um, I'm a football coach and it's, yeah, it's always been a passion of mine to go into that. So hopefully, uh, long term plans, I will have uh, a business something to do with like one to one football coaching. That's the ambition in yeah. a couple of years time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good goal to have. Um I think um, so. So, Corbin, from your because you you already have your own business. Do you do you, do you, do, you, do you want to talk a little bit a little bit about that? Uh yeah. Well, running a business is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, don't don't forget that it's it's a lot of fun. Like in my business, we train different people of uh, different techniques uh, and different spectrums. So whether they have disabilities or they don't. Um, it's a lot of fun, but people don't realise that there is always downsides to it, and that's the paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork that you have to do, so it's not as fun. So running a business is a lot of fun work, but also a lot of hard work. Whether With mine, I have to write programmes for people like um, my different clients I have, and they need to be based around their girls and based around if they have like uh, injuries or stuff like that. And then even more boring work, is the taxes you've got to write down your taxes everything like that it's, it's a lot of fun but some there's always that little boring bit at the end that you have to do even if you don't want to yeah like uh it, it, it sounds all fun but behind closed doors you have to do all this boring paperwork <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah right um so when did you start your business corbin uh, i believe i started being a personal trainer Nearly a year ago, actually. I think it's a year in December, actually, I think. Okay. Yeah, so quite experienced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I've been training people longer than that um, without charging them. So I have a lot more experience than most. Uh, but yeah, I've been working as PT for a, over a year. So it's all been fun and games. Yeah, and, and and you do a lot of it because, like, uh, I know. But before we start recording, you said that you, you do a lot in in the week, so it, it's a pretty long week for you. Um, like um, when you in work and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You you're constantly working. There's days where I'm there from uh six a.m. in the morning to about seven p.m. at night. There's uh, so it can range whatever day is, whether you're training people or if you just doing uh, training yourself because you still need to counter that into the whole 
situation you can't just train others and let yourself go somewhat you need to at least be active as a person so it allows the uh, clients then to see that you're also putting effort in and it pushes them to put effort in yeah well, i do i think that does help like um like especially because you, you've got to be like, like 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 you say just setting a good example for them yeah set a good example allows you to get yourself more clients as well and it also allows people to trust more in you when they see you hitting goals that they want to go to yeah yeah it's like yeah i I completely agree um so connell so is the aim like in a few years time to have like um is it like um is it put like like a football kind of sort of thing there so um i I've, i've discussed this with you and corbin in the past about what i wanted to do with in terms of my business model and idea so the how it would work would be start off with it'd be um i don't know cs uh one-to-one football coaching uh for kids initially for kids for from five to twelve year olds uh doesn't matter about ability as such it can, it can they can have a disability or or you know it it <sighs> Yeah, what I'm trying to say, I'm mumbling, I'm mumbling my words here, but um, yeah, it would be something. It'd be something along those lines. Um, what what I would like to do in future because I think there is so many uh, you know, parents and maybe coaches out there that, particularly in grassroots football, can get really competitive, and that could cause a child to then fall out of love with the game that you know, they so desperately love playing. And I find it's a lot more common nowadays for uh, children to stop playing football because um, because perhaps a coach was too competitive or they're putting them down or parents are, in, you know, basically installing, um, you know, oh, win at all cost mentality, which, yeah, it's, okay, winning is absolutely brilliant. But, you know, it should be about the fun and enjoyment and I think the, I think what I'd do with the one-to-one like football coaching would be, it would be about not only them improving as, you know, obviously football players, but them improving as people as well. Yeah. I I, I, I think that's a really good idea because um like we, we, we've coached to like, we're, we've done things in the past and we, we've notified that like um it is, it's, it is very important when the coach is, um, like really under it's understanding because like it's very hard to um to get to get involved when you're at a young age isn't it because i think you may feel a bit shy and, and stuff like that but if you have your own like sort of thing going it, it does kind of like you kind of get to decide what what happens i think it i think as well it is about making a difference to uh, not only people you work with, but also um, the rapport you build with them. I'm, I know in Corbin's case, when he builds a rapport with his clients and they in and they go on to do well, I can imagine that gives him a sense of achievement. And for me, um, because I'm coaching at the moment on a weekend uh, with a with a local team, uh, it gives me um, a sense of like pride when I see, you know see the kids having fun, smiling, enjoying themselves, because ultimately that's what it should be about. That that should be the motto across 
all of you know not only just football but sports in general it should be about having fun and enjoying yourself and trying new things and you know and and ensuring that you know they can build their confidence from that yeah yeah i think it it all leads up to like um like confidence uh, i think and like um I uh, when doing coaching before it is rewarding like so say you're 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 training a player and you, you you've told them to focus on maybe um uh, like maybe they're shooting in, in, in a game and they score a goal and, and then you go and I think you're going to be really rewarding like you're going to feel really good about yourself saying like that that like helping them like like with advice and they scored their goal and then that th they're going to be as happy as you because they've accomplished that kind of goal. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's very even for me in uh, personal training. It's fulfilling to know that I've helped someone, um, like advance themselves, whether that be technique wise, lifting wise, weight wise. I think especially in coaching as well, it we all have that slight feeling that we're maybe not fully correct with our information that we say, yeah. just because we slightly doubt what we're trying to say. So whether I say, okay, do this, it may work, it may help you with this, and then it does, it somewhat takes that pressure off your back to go, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I know I'm happy with what I'm doing. This can work on loads of people, whether it be football, swimming, any sport you feel confident in showing someone how to do it, showing that even giving someone a new technical skill to teach them in football allows you then to feel more confident in other sports where you're doing basketball. Well, you were able to teach someone something, maybe you'll be able to teach them in another sport and so on and so forth. Yeah, I 100% yeah, agree because I sports coaches in particular, PTs, uh, I think we don't get a lot of compliments or thanks from necessarily from other people because I saw, I saw this video um on tiktok and it was i think mean, someone's just thanking a, a grassroots a grassroots coach and the guy said and what's really stood out to me was the guy said i don't remember the last time i got you know thanked for just simply like doing my job and obviously you don't obviously you're not there to you know constantly get you know praise and approval and stuff like that but sometimes that can go a long way because um i'm terrible at taking compliments it's you know part of who i am i'm i'm very good at complimenting other people but when it comes to myself i'm i very much self-doubt and um and sometimes what i put across or what i say i you know you know like you said corbin earlier like oh this may work um if you do this um but some but sometimes even then i i it's that little um that you know that little doubt on your mind or that you know little person on your shoulder that's you know say, that's saying to you oh should you really be saying this you know are you putting it across you're putting it across wrong um and that's probably one of the worst that's probably one of the worst things as well especially when you're um you know in your case Corbin going into and um, you're actually going into the gym and you're training someone and all of a sudden it's like oh i'm like all of a sudden i'm so i'm doubting myself i'm questioning whether i can you know do what i'm capable of doing yeah i think in those situations you're always unsure <coughs> of 
whether something is correct because especially in my industry if i injure someone that could be the end of my career that could be the reason why i no longer work in the industry i may have said someone okay do this squat variation and they do that squat variation but if i don't fully trust the variation and i haven't tested it myself i could cause them to have an injury like today i had a girl with an acl tour uh which is completely torn she had reconstruction and oh. uh, now uh 10 years ago and is now having to have surgery again but because i'm very knowledgeable on stuff like injuries i can understand okay these are exercises you can do these are exercises you can't do but if i was unsure about any of those two i could injure someone and permanently hurt them for a long long while if i don't reassure myself with the knowledge that i know yeah i i find as well that when i'm um for example i could be doing a session i could be doing a session on you know a weekend with my underage and i could be like okay we're gonna do bulldog which is basically i'm sure a lot of you will be familiar with you basically get a you get the ball you you know you try and get past the defender if you get tackled by a defender they then become a defender that sort of thing it's fun you know it gets them warmed up especially in winter um as we're recording this it's winter it's cold and they need to you know be warmed up and run about but i do find as well language is important regardless of what industry what industry you're in whether it's coaching or pt and wherever i think the la- i think the language and i guess the not the knowledge side of it is so it's so important because um uh, for, for me in my case one thing i could say one thing and perhaps it would upset a kid and then i'd get a complaint and you know that would look bad on me and i would never i never want that to happen i would never ever want to be a reason that you know a, a kid literally f- just stops playing football and falls out of love with it you know it like I say, I'm I'm repeating repeating this quite a lot, but it's always should be about the enjoyment of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I completely agree. Like it's 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 interesting because you I guess when you do stuff like that, you look back on your kind of half ha, like when like maybe in P at school, like how teachers were on you, and 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 I think you may question yourself, were they doing that correctly? Or like, well, sometimes they've been lazy, or like, which which they were. Like, let's some teachers would just say, like, like do like a, a half dozen laps around the field or something, or or, or do stretches for about 15, 20 minutes. So what took about a half half the um half the lesson, and then you kind of think like, I can do that a bit better. Like, like especially like like you guys are saying how you're how you're coming across, like how you're talking, like um you're being happy and like um and to make sure maybe your personal life isn't affecting your like your your job like like being a personal trainer or, or coaching with, with UConn because I think that, that that's very important because like you, to to keep those things aside of although some things can be really tough but but yeah it's it, it, it's 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 just like rewinding those things and thinking like what what can I do better? One of the key things for me is when I go into a session instantly it's like. Be it they're they're on the ball, you know, they're having as many touches of the ball as they can, and and you know, and that's that's a, that's the main thing. I 
I don't know. I kind of disagree with the whole when he teaches back in school, they'd be like, I'll run a dozen laps of the field or um, which, okay, to 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 an extent, yeah, if it's like wintertime, it, in a way it can get you warmed up and it can make you feel good. Um, but when you're, but when you spend, I think when you spend like 15 minutes doing that, that just wastes a lot of time. It wastes too much time and you don't actually get to do the main part of what you're actually doing. So, you know, for for me, I'd say say maximum if you're doing a one hour like coaching session, like five, 10 minute warm up is always good. You know, it doesn't need to be that long. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to preach or give advice. Everyone works differently, but that's just how I'd do it personally. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, me too. It's better to do a short um warm-up than spending 15 minutes doing a warm-up because then it just becomes a cardiovascular endurance exercise than um doing an actual warm-up. Like what I do for my classes, um, if we are on the classroom area, then it's more mostly star jumps and high knees and then we go into exercises which uh, you use your whole body to warm up with so whether that is kettlebell swings um, squats stuff like that any variation of an exercise that can get people to use a lot of muscles in I use to just keep them nice and warm then we maybe up the uh, um, conditioning work and then we slowly drip off at the end Instead of just going, okay, I'm going to run 20-odd laps around the field. Yes. Like you said, it takes up so much time, especially in PE. Like by the time that you've exited the PE room, by the time you got changed, by the time you got the equipment, by the time you've done the running, you've basically got like 30 minutes left. It's like, <laughs> what's, what's the point? What's the point doing a PE lesson if it's going to be an hour and you're just mostly spending time running around that you'll uh, send the grass and stuff. Because yeah. I can remember that actually happening as a child. They would get us running around for hours for no reason. Yeah, I I, I, I remember it like, in school where it, the time would be wasted at, even before it's begun. Like, people don't like, because it, the amount of people there are doing it, like, that, like it's from 10, 15 minutes getting changed. It, it, it normally takes. And then you wait for the teacher to wait for everyone to get in change. That's another probably five, six minutes. And then, and then um, what normally happens if someone, if one person is being bad in the class, the, 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 the teacher sometimes would make everyone uh, suffer the consequence by like, it could possibly be a run around the field or not doing anything, which waste the time and then getting changed at the end. That's another 10 minutes um, for, for everyone to get changed so a lot of it is wasted time when it could be really simple yeah definitely can be i find as well that you know with um some obviously kids can misbehave sometimes and you know that's just you know part of being a kid right we all we've all misbehaved in lesson and um you know, PE lesson in particular, I definitely know I used to do that. But um, I think I think um, I, f- I find as well how to deal with like misbehavior is highlight highlighting the ones who are actually listening. Be like, I don't know, I'd be like, I don't know, James, you're listening brilliantly. You get a ball, and if you focus on the people that are actually listening rather than the people who are you know messing about, then 
that gives them an indication that actually, oh no, they're you know they're getting attention because they're you know actually listening and you know being good. Uh, so yeah, so I, um some and sometimes a lot of time can be wasted just you know shouting you know just trying to single out bad behavior and, and making everyone else face the consequences of it which i find re- which i find unfair in a way because why should everyone else have to suffer the consequences for one person's misbehavior definitely yeah agreed and it's not just p like it's, it's anything really isn't it like um like it, it, it could be um english like like a person <laughs> is misbehaving um which um but sometimes has reasons to it and not all the time it's it's due to them just being a bad kid it, they're, 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 there are some reasons to it but like like you say it just wastes time like just focusing on that bad bad person it's like, like especially in pe that, that that's the one that really was annoying and i felt like uh, I, I did feel like saying sometimes can we just get on with the lesson and and and, and what they would normally do is if they would get the like the bad person who's being disruptive to be involved more to try and help their behavior which it doesn't help them it makes them worse where they, they feel like oh no i, I can I, I i'm in control here now and that that, that 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 kind of thing i think yeah i find that in um even in business uh <laughs> that you can have the people that listen they're the fantastic clients they're the ones that listen and they do exactly what you want them to, to do and then of course you have the clients that don't listen at all and they're the ones that take up most of your attention when you're trying to focus on the clients that are doing fantastic sadly you are taken away by clients who for some reason they pay you and then they expect you to do all the work like they expect me to eat the food that I've been t- telling them to eat, do the certain calorie exercises that I've told them to do, all this stuff when actually it's not going to benefit me, it's going to be- benefit them. But I think that's what people don't realise, especially in business, uh, people don't understand that doing work needs to benefit you first, then you can benefit others. If it doesn't benefit you um then most people won't actually do it. Yeah. I think I think I find as well when, like you say, you're working within you know, a particular industry, and when you're trying to sort of get your word out there to um, other people, and and that, and there could be a lot of people that can mock your idea and you know take the mick out of it, and you know try to almost put you down. I find as well that. When you could, as like it, as a neuro, when you have a like a neurodiverse brain like ours, you can have all these ideas, but it's executing them. It the execution of the ideas and how they present, you know, sometimes that can come across as you know rash and indecisive and um and you know and you know it it just uh it really. Um, it can put you down when you know you, you want to progress in life, and and then people laugh at you and say, "Oh, you won't do that." And uh, do you know what? It just makes me so much more determined to prove prove them wrong because nothing's better than getting to where you want want to be, and you know, and getting and basically when you do, 
Cream, you you feel like you're at the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah, I I I completely agree because like 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 people can be so like like down on you like 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 they just think that you can't do a certain thing and 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 like because like it's like that like that um like with autism people say that you can't do it because you've got autism and it's it's not the case like look like. Corbyn's got his own business, <laughs> and basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so, like, there are things we can do. Like, uh, it, it may take it takes it, it, everyone's different, so it's going to take it may take um a while to set uh, set everyone up because I I imagine there's lots of processes before actually starting one for you, Corbyn. Um, but before before actually um like like starting like your your business, but. It's, it's it's exciting because I guess it's your hobby as well. Like you, you're going to work every day, like wanting, loving what you do. Yeah, uh, I think with me because of my autism, I was lucky. I had started my business first before I was diagnosed with autism, so I didn't know. I was never swiped with any slates or anything like that. So I was able to get in, realize, okay, this is my hobby. I train anyway. This is fun. I have that experience where I know what I'm talking about. It felt comfortable. And then when I got my autism diagnosis, it was like, oh, okay. This is why I've been doing this. This is why I don't look at my clients in the eyes. This is why I do certain things. Um, a lot of people, they brush autistic people with, like you're saying, with a brush by saying oh you can't do this because you're autistic you can't do that because you're autistic when actually a lot of people are right now most of the people that are extremely rich or well known in the world are autistic um i have like you said i have my own business i'm autistic uh it's doing well so it's you can't like there's a lot of processes that you have to go through to start a business and most people would say that an autistic person couldn't do any of the processes that I had to jump through. I had to get my qualification. I had to film videos. I had to train people. I had to use all the knowledge that I learned and that I'm still learning just to build a business. I've had to do my own marketing. I've had to look into all realms of different types of business types just to be able to do it. And my, most people don't believe that autistic people can do that, but we're here proving them that we can and we're finding it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, like it, 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 it's, it's really good that you're doing that. Um, when was you diagnosed with, with, with autism and COVID? I believe it was, what year are we in? 2022? So that would be, yeah. I think, late 2021. So probably, I actually, I've been autistic, well, not, I've been autistic for 22 years of my life, but uh, I've been diagnosed a year, I think it is. I think it's a year this month, guys. So, okay. Amazing. Year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good time we're doing this then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ironically. Um, going, going back to the topic, just real quick, like, um, <clears throat> when you say, because uh, Corbin, you touched upon this, uh, I, I relate to as well, like looking people in the eye. I find eye contact extremely hard. It's, um, sometimes just looking at people can make my eyes burn and feel like I'm on fire. 
so for example for example um a child might come up to me that they're upset about something and obviously i you know i go down to their level um but i find it really hard to like look them directly in the eye because um if i do it for a certain amount of time my eyes are going to feel like they're on fire <laughs> which which that which that which you know which sounds like i'm being you know dismissive of the concern but i'm not i I find that when I'm looking away, I am actually listening. Mm. When I so in school, you know, I sort of look away from the teacher, and, and they would see that as you know me not listening when actually I was. And and I think that's very common for a lot of uh, autistic people as well. That actually you know they fight they you know instead of the just standard sit at a desk do worksheets all day. I wasn't really that guy. I hated doing that um school wasn't really man-made for me in that sense I excelled at PE and drama and you know the, those other subjects but um I don't but yeah the going back to the you know club I do currently coach at I don't think any of them even know I have an autism diagnosis so if you listen to this now you know yeah you, <laughs> you, you've you found out something new <laughs> <laughs> exactly that learn something new every day and that's and that's what makes life so wonderful you're learning something new almost every day yeah you're doing like um yeah yeah we're, 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 we're always learning things and like I'm, I'm the same like i like more now i probably look l- like if i know someone really well i'll probably l- show more eye contact than i do than someone who i don't know that well probably but I still struggle. Like, 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 um, like today as we're talking, I won't always look at you in the eyes. Like, occasionally I might look over there or over there. <laughs> like, but we're still talking. It's really annoying that it's still happening though. Where, like, like in schools and just like, like situations where if you're not looking up to someone when they're talking, they think they're ignoring you or don't really care what you're saying to you. Which is, it's really upsetting for like autistic people because people do like, um find it really hard just to look at a person in the eyes because it it's really um it's it's really it's really scary sometimes because you don't want to do that yeah i find that sometimes as well like looking someone in the eyes as an autistic person is very difficult in business as well when you're having to shake someone's hand or if you're trying to um get your point across on a conversation with a client uh it's very hard so what i normally do for myself um when i have new clients or i meet new people i explain that i'm autistic now i may not look them in the eye but do know that i have listened to your what you're trying to express and i'm able to look someone in the eye if i choose to but like i'm i'm the same i i hate it it just makes me uncomfortable so I'll have like conversations where I'll be standing side on and we'll be talking to someone or I will sit and face them, but I would be looking past them. The only way I can actually have a full blown conversation with them. Yeah, I, I'm the same. If I'm talking to like a parent, for example, um, what I do, I find, what, I, what, what I find really helpful is sort of standing side on looking like pass some sort of thing because then it actually looks like I'm making eye contact yeah that's uh it's it's great it's uh it's great being neurodiverse yeah definitely uh, great being different 
Yeah, like um, lot lo- lo- lots of years, and another thing I don't really like it, 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 in a similar situation to the eye contact, but like 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 Corbin, you mentioned about like, shaking people's hands. Like these last few years, like because like COVID and like you guys know about like maybe in Rumble and stuff. Like I would say to people, I don't want to shake your hand, but being like kind. One, I don't really want to touch your hand, uh, and I'm not always been one for like shaking hands. And, and mm. it, it was almost like the similar situation. People will look at me like like why. Like you, you're not being very nice, and so, so similar to the eye, eye eye contact situation in a sense, which is it is really annoying when when people make you feel bad for something that you you just don't like or are comfortable with. Yeah, I I fully understand that because like I don't like people touching me or uh, if they grab me or even if they like I I have to be the one to give my hand out first for me to feel comfortable with shaking someone's hand. Uh, I don't like it when someone else offers it, unless they've someone that I like and that I've had a good, very uh, interesting conversation with. Then, of course, I'll shake their hand or I'll fist bump them, whatever is uh, valid in the situation. But I can agree, like, they give you the most evilest looks and it's like, <laughs> why? Like, And you just instantly, I think for someone like us with autism, you feel like you're judged whether that is in uh, personal training or any type of business type area, or even normal day life, you just feel like you're being judged if you don't do something which is seen as seen as the normality. When people need to realize we're not the normality, we're yeah. something different. We are our brains work differently. We don't like different certain things, but I can understand like some people who. Um, like I was telling someone about autism and they knew about the condition, but they didn't know the actual personal side of it. They knew the uh, curriculum, of course, of autism, but they didn't know the personal side. So they didn't understand uh, why uh, grabbing my arm, why I didn't like that. So stuff like that, you you never know who you're going to uh, have conversations with. I find as well of like, you know, hugging, um i i'm someone that uh, i'm not really a hugger unless i initiate it or i don't mind if someone else initiates it unless i know them really well uh but if it's like someone i'm i don't really know well and they're offering it out i'm just gonna be like what the hell <laughs> why yeah. are you doing that <laughs> yeah yeah and they and then they and then and then when you and then when you say no they kind of like they 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 that they're not very friendly afterwards they're like oh why couldn't you do that yeah and you're perceived as uh rude arrogance and um and every name mother's son and they're just they can just be really standoffish with you after and give you the cold treatment yeah agreed agreed it's terrible when they do that yeah because like you're comfortable with the other things that you want to do like not not everyone is going to be a hugger i'm not either really like People are like like you, Connell. I'll do it to people I probably know. Like I'm not going to do it to like a stranger, like or or, or maybe a new friend that I don't really know that well because it's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the like I also like with um like you know with autistic people getting a job it's really hard and 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 sometimes it's when they go for that interview it's a little thing that don't even need to be qualified for the job like like um like maybe shaking your hands at the end or or um eye contact if you don't do 
them, they say you can't have the job now because you've you can't do eye contact and you need to have mm. eye contact in a workplace for you to communicate, which you don't. Like we, we can look to the floor and still communicate. It, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't. I don't get why people think that. I find, I find, I find interviews as well. What helped? What's helped me in the past? I don't know if it help other people with the eye contact thing in interviews. I, I think what 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 helped me was the sort of I don't know if they're like in a smart suit, like looking at their tie or look or just simply looking past them, or you know maybe looking at something that's on the table because then it kind of does. Uh, look like you listen. It looks like you're actually listening. Uh, so yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, the I think it's it's hard for people like us to find you know jobs or even start businesses. In your case, Corbin, and uh, in, in that situation because people won't give us the time of day, and there is a talent pool that's waiting to be unearthed. And and I don't think society as a whole they're not doing enough to unearth that. Agreed. Uh, the talent pool for autism is so in so unused uh, because people just believe that autistic people can't do this, and it's so evolved in our nature to believe that someone of a disability can't do what they choose to do. So I think we put. Uh, too much weight on people uh, than we should. Like I've been told in the past, I can't do this because I've got autism, or I've seen autistic people get told they can't do this. I've even seen my mum get told she can't drive. She's been driving for like six, seven years now. But people are like, oh, you can't do this because you have a disability. When actually, as ironically as people say a disability is just a different ability that's yeah. all it is uh for some it could be a condition that they're born with maybe it's a la loss of a limb and that's something that they will have their own challenges but it doesn't put them out of not being able to work and if they choose to if they're able to have that ability you have some of the best chefs around with autism you have some of the best writers with dyslexia you have one of the best directors and he has dyslexia um guy ritchie and you even have one of the world most well-known scientists elon musk he has autism he's come out and even one of the even more greatest movie directors um, Quentin Tarantino is believed to have autism as well so I think people need to realize that the talent pool for someone with a disability is is as advanced as someone without a disability yeah yeah I I, I completely agree um and and with um I I always remember in school and like because you have autism, like a teacher or even an assistant teacher, you just talk to like you're, you're a baby and you can't, you don't understand. 
Gosh, don't get me started. I absolutely used to hate the condescending, patronising tone they taught you in. If you, if I, in my case, if I was discussing like my goals and aspirations, they'd be like, "Wow, oh, that's really lovely," and that really like annoying, condescending, patronising tone that would really annoy me, and I would. I'd just be like, oh, that, that is, I'm trying not to swear here, but um, that's what really annoyed me. Yeah, it's it, it's it's very annoying because, like, like um, like if they even help me with something, they'll they'll they they'll say count with me, like one, two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to count with you. I want to count my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's really annoying. It's like when that kind of stuff happens, um, and. Like like what we were saying earlier about like the tone and like how you're like coming across. Like so, if if you're coming across in in a nice tone, um, where like there might be instances where you might have to explain things more, but not like like um, you don't need to talk like a baby. Like 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 like, like we experience because um, one it's a very whiny voice, isn't it? Which is really annoying and it gets in your head. You know, you know that like to the you know sort of you know, like sympathy to the head side tilt they do as well when they're doing it. That's yeah, like like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're gonna do so well. Yeah, you're doing so well, James. Well done. Um <laughs> that that um that sort of thing. I'll just be like, you don't really need to talk to me in that tone of voice. Just talk to me normally. You don't need to talk to me in that tone of voice. And I think that is the reason uh that most uh people with other autism and all land disability or any other disability for that matter struggle to find employment and a statistic and a statistic i found out the other day that there's only 16.9 percent of autistic people that are actually in paid employment and that is a damning statistic um that is something that's got to change and that's not only got to come from you know jobs being more inclusive but also schools doing more to help you know autistic individuals realize their dreams and aspirations rather than you know putting them down and putting them in a certain pedestal because they're like oh they've got a disability that'd be unrealistic for them to you know own a business or you know or go into like the industry of sport or um, or any other industry for that matter and I did find that when I was at school a little bit or when I was uh, coaching within a sports coaching organization that I couldn't progress the way that I wanted to and that really annoyed me and I did feel like that was because of my you know disability and that frustrated me because not to big myself up here I know what I'm capable of yeah, you know, I know, I know what I can do. Let me showcase that. Give me that opportunity to showcase that. Let me show you how I, how well I can do. Yeah, I agree with that. A lot of people are very, like that statistic of yours is something that I've noticed as well. Most autistic people, the instant, the instant thing that people say to them is not, "Oh, we'll get you a pay job." It's like. Why don't you do volunteering? Oh yeah, we'll get used to that. It's like, well, <clears> actually, get them used to the real thing. Put them in a real job. They then learn to adapt. They're very good at adapting. I also find in my business, which was my one concern, 
was that I would be treated slightly differently because of my autism and the way people speak to me, which I have had some people talk to me slightly differently. And then when I've actually verbally spoken back and explained something faster and more intelligently than they can first perceive, they're like, oh, actually he does. Yeah. Then they speak normal to you. So it's it's one of those ones where I find autistic people get spoken down to and most autistic people the only job they ever have in their life is volunteering work because people are like oh you can't do a real job you can only volunteer because you've got a disability i find as well that if they will put them in a particular industry that they don't really want to go into and they just shoehorn them into it and expect them to like it like for example i found that most people who left um you know the school i went to they were shoehorned into like horticulture or working on a farm and and i know for some of them that you know that's something they don't really want to do and they're like oh yeah volunteering is you know yeah volunteering is great i'm i'm kind of not against volunteering as such but however if the volunteering doesn't then lead to a paid job then what is the point of voluntary positions if it doesn't then lead you into uh, paid work after yeah i agree and there's so many hours as well because like if it's some sort of course where you're like doing the work experience and stuff like they do so many hours which you could do for a paid job and i think i think that's ridiculous because like like if you have experience before with, with doing it it might be a different thing but like it it like you you, you want to be rewarded for your time um like like because like although you might you might really like it but you still just want to like it's really time consuming to be doing something that you'll get nothing out of it really i think yeah i agree with that a lot of the work that people get done is so like people forget that Autistic people need money to live. I think that's what they forget. And if you're volunteering someone, and that's the so like that's the only form of income they have, whether they don't uh, receive PIP or anything like that, that is their own like form of income. There's some people who are autistic that choose not to get PIP and would rather work because they feel like they would be brushed with the brush that disabled people are lazy, autistic people are lazy. We're, we just sit at home, do nothing. When actually we're trying to get these jobs, we're trying to work hard, but all we're getting is volunteering jobs. Like I know people personally who are on volunteering roles who have been given maybe a job that is paid, but it's for a set amount of time. And once that time's up, there's no job at the end of it. It's just, okay, you're going to do this. We're going to pay you a certain amount of money for this amount of time. And then by the time of it, we might give you a job. When AKAs, I mean, you're not getting a job at the end of it. You should probably quit now. That's that's the most annoying thing about these types of, like, voluntary positions and these organisations that offer volunteer work. Yeah, like you say, they might offer them... You know, a certain amount of hours it might be a temporary contract and it'd be like okay you're gonna work eight hours a week and then and you're gonna get this amount of, and this is how much you're gonna earn an hour and for, for some and for some and it's 
for some it's you know it can be not enough to live on like you say autistic people want to earn money too like everyone else we want to live like everyone else we want to be successful like everyone else we want to be treated the same as everyone else we don't want to be singled out just because we have a condition it should not be about that and that is one of the things as well i know people who've been in voluntary positions and then all of a sudden they've just been casted off just like that um and they're left with absolutely nothing and you and i don't know i've had i had an interview recently with um with a with a organization and so i had to do like a practical uh it was actually a practical interview so i had to lead a session that sort of thing uh, i think i told you guys about this so i had to lead a practical session and um and i didn't i didn't get it, obviously i did i felt that i led the session quite well and it was quite structured uh but i didn't get anything at the end of that and they then proceeded to offer me voluntary opportunities which for me that's like no i don't want a voluntary position i i've done work experience at college that is that is more than enough volunteering like i am as I don't know when this episode gets released, I'm 21 years old and I, and the last thing I really want to be doing right now is, you know, just voluntary work during the week. I already, I already do, I already do volunteering at the weekend. Like the football coaching I do, that's not paid. And I, and I do actually enjoy that. But however, if you're just going to offer um someone, um a certain amount of hours and, you know, limited money and, and try and trying to shoehorn in shoehorn shoehorn them into a position that or an industry they don't want to be in i i kind of think to myself what what is going wrong what are we mm. doing why are we not you know helping them realize their goals and their aspirations ask them you know ask ask autistic people in their school okay what's your goals and aspirations what's your dream what would you like to do and that might change it does but it does mm. But, but you've got to, if we don't let these people realise their dreams and aspirations, then then we are we are doing something terribly wrong. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, like with the situation with you, I find that a lot with uh, many autistic people. They'll do work or they'll go for a job and suddenly it's like, oh, maybe you should do this volunteering thing. It's like, no, I applied for money. I applied for a living. I applied for a job not something to do volunteer and i'm not here to just show up i'm here to shop and do work like volunteering is fantastic sometimes it's, it's good uh, there's benefits but i'm starting to see that the sadly the downsides a outweigh the goods yeah yeah and i agree and there is some benefits to it and you know i I do enjoy volunteering on weekends. It's absolutely brilliant. I have a passion for it. But like you say, um, if you if it's just volunteering like during the week at uh, I don't know, British Heart Foundation, I should mention them for example. If you we love you. Yeah, we 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 love you, British Heart Foundation. Um, but say if you volunteer in there, for example, and you volunteer there like four or five days a week and you're not really getting anything from it, you're not really um earning your own like pay packet because there is nothing more satisfying than 
the first payment that comes in on the first pay job but you know that mm. is so satisfying you know it brings you so much pleasure and joy and it is amazing but however when it's like when it's like if you're volunteering like three or four days a week doing work experience or whatever sadly like you say the bad outweighs the good yeah yeah it, it, it is as well and like you, you, it, it's hard to find an understanding place to work as well like with like um like people's conditions not just autism but you have other things out there as well um but yeah it, it's, it's just really hard to find someone and, and then and then when like um you do it you don't get enough you either don't do enough or like or like you normally get put in one this one role where like it, it normally in um in a placement there are multiple things to do so if if you are doing um football coaching potentially um you may be put on to do just one thing for for the whole entire time and I I I I I I I've been told that before and. Um, I know, I know you have as well, Connell. Where you kind of think, what, what's the point of just doing this one thing when we could be helping, doing other things as well while we're doing the sessions. What I love as well about um, uh, what I what I do on the weekends is is that I'm not just doing one thing. Like you know, it's setting up goals. It's the, you know, it's literally having a kick about with some of the kids who may turn up early before the session starts and. Yeah, that's and that that is an uh, and that and that is a brilliant feeling because it's sit it's for them it's enjoying themselves. Most like football coaches or sports coaches, uh, for example, they are volunteers. You know, they don't get paid to do this. You know, they don't even have to do this. They could be doing something else their weekends, but no, they decide to turn to turn up every weekend to coach your kids because without grassroots coaches we wouldn't have many teams out there and i think parent i think parents should like in particular show not only a bit more leeway to coaches and referees for example because there's a lot of like referee abuse but um also uh, but also on the flip side yeah there is like i said earlier in the episode there there are coaches that get way ridiculously way too competitive and yeah, that can cause people to literally just leave. But yeah, like but with um volunteer for like volunteering like grassroots football, they don't have to they don't have to do this, but they do it because they're passionate about seeing the seeing kit the kids enjoy themselves, have fun and improve. Agreed. Very, very agreed. There's a lot of uh stuff with coaching that grassroots coaching is the foundations of what can set a person in the right path. If you, I, I can tell, like I can tell with certain people, if they've had a grassroots training where they've just forced them to do something and just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. After a while, you slowly hear about these people like, oh yeah, my son used to play football, but ever since he, uh, went to high school he stopped it was like no no he didn't it was his one time to get away from football to come with an excuse to not have to do it because he's been forced to do something he's not liked uh so like people need to realize like you said that football and 
grassroots training should be there to help people uh, instead of forcing them to do certain things they don't want to do. And it's to push them in the right direction, not the wrong direction, which a lot of grassroots training has uh, pushed people into. I know yeah. for from a young age, I was pushed into sports and I was lucky I took to a fish to water. I loved sports. But then I see some kids that I used to be great friends with. Like I know one lad, he used to do every sport literally around. And now he does um, uh, musical theatre. And that was his true, he wanted to do drama, but his family wouldn't allow him to. So he had to do sports instead. Wow, that is, um, that is yeah. It, 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 I think it does go to show that if you try and you know, put, them, put them into something that they don't want to do then you know they're not gonna necessarily like it and that can cause a lot of like repressed feelings as they grow up because like you said Corbin you know they could be oh yeah he's gone to high school or all of a sudden he stopped playing you know that's probably yeah that's like the one time they get away from that environment and yeah the grassroots football environment is great um in in many ways I you know, I I get on with the parents that I taught to. I built a good rapport, and I built a good rapport with them over the last, you know, you know, sort of two months that I've been, you know, volunteering there, and it's been absolutely wonderful. It's been a real like learning curve for me into how to build like good, meaningful relationships, and you know, to, and to ultimately ensure that uh, that their children are having fun and they're enjoying themselves yeah it's, it's always nice when you have someone like they like um with will with coaching like it, it, it's nice um when they they are like they they l l look up to you it's because it, it, it's nice and and they and they go to you and, and that they, they talk to you maybe about the football like maybe yeah. what, what what's like maybe for you connell um like 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 people you work with and stuff, they you might have a little uh, to talk about like the World Cup and how 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 England are doing and stuff like that. But it, but it it's nice like just to to have like um like confrontations like that. Yeah, and as well, um, it's re it's really nice to have those conversations because it's not always about the training, but it's also the the relationships you build with them and the bonds you build with them, and as well, um, I've done an apprenticeship and as we're recording this um I've more or less finished that now I've just had my end point assessment and you know that's and it's been and it's been great because I've had transferable skills I've learned over the last two years that I can use in other industries that you know I perhaps want to go into in the future because it, it's it's beneficial I find to you know do an apprenticeship in a way because um you basically okay there's some apprenticeship providers out there that give you a really crap wage and and you know they don't really pay you well uh, as you're learning but but the whole earn while you learn scheme is great because not only are you um, obviously you know getting on the job experience hands-on experience but um you're getting you're getting a pay packet as well and i think that's what makes it so makes it so wonderful and you know, I, I would take all those skills that I've learned over the last two years into the next job that I go into. And I hope the next job I get is uh, very soon because, you know, I've built up a 
good CV and my CV is you know relatively decent enough. I've I've applied for stuff and they've not really bat an eyelid. Uh, probably perhaps is it because I'm autistic or or whatever. Um that's that that's um that is a sad reality of today, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it really is and well, I, I, I do really want to get back into coaching. Um because I haven't for a while and but yeah like you say it's just really hard to 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 get like like these kind of to do these things because of being autistic um where 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 people think that you can't do it and it's very good for an autistic person to be a coach because it, it kind of raises that awareness and acceptance for autistic people um that because like growing up knowing that autistic people didn't get that support back then and the yeah. early 2000s um and now it's different like like corbin got a late diagnosis of autism which is it's more it's more frequent now it's more you can yeah. see more people getting diagnosed maybe older or like um in, in their teenage years where early 2000s there were quite a lot of um early diagnosis um of, of, of being autistic um and and yeah, it 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 it, it it's good that it's kind of become more frequent, but we just still need to hopefully like get places to uh accept people because it's it's in like it's every job like like if it's if it's singing, it's coaching, um, and it it, it gets really annoying because we have to repeat ourselves a lot, don't we? Yeah, we do. Hopefully, we can do more to in increase the conversation around you know autism and other disabilities out there because it's important and go and going back to the whole like i don't know whatever industry you're going to whether that's coaching or being a pt i find as well i find as well you are a role model for them and you, you know they look up to you because i know from from sort of my perspective in particular you know so, some of them might not have like a i don't know a father figure or big brother figure you know so yeah, they they naturally they all look up to you to you know, and they will do on like sort of every word you say. Uh, so so it's yeah, it can be it can be a wonderful feeling, but ultimately, ultimately yeah, there is, autism has become a lot more prominent over the last um over probably the last five years. I would say it's become a lot more talked about. It's become a lot more normalised. It's become um it's become a lot more like like i said prominent and and yeah but can the conversation still improve absolutely agreed it definitely can improve i think a lot of people they're now becoming more willing to listen which is good uh, more more than they used to um so you see a lot of more autistic people going into businesses and different type of jobs uh which is great i just think that more can be done obviously there's always more to be done in every situation it just takes uh time to actually get the conversation moving into a deeper thought of movement yeah yeah i, I yeah it's just i guess just we got to teach talking about it and i totally agree with what you're saying there kind of about role role being a, a role model um because it, it it is really important um and and yeah like i i i i did like you you was one especially in school like i i could tell that like um from from, from even from my experience 
Like, like because I think you always like if people are, are, are like a year above you, you always like, you always go to them type type of people. Um, yeah, I, I think I think as well when you're uh, I guess you're in school and you're I don't know year ten or year eleven or whatever. Naturally, people like the younger years are gonna you know look up to you and I don't know, go to you for advice or whatever or go to you if um if they have a problem and you know and if you like that person you'd go and sort them out. But um yeah, I I I think it I think it is um. It's important, and going back to the business model that I do want to eventually do, it's um, I I would rather I'd rather be focused on you know enjoying enjoying yourself, having fun, and regardless of ish and regardless of your ability, you know, come along and play football because mm. yeah, ultimately everyone should develop a love and passion for this for the sport. You know, if I was to do if I was to do this for kids five to 12 you know and it anyone with any ability can yeah. you know do you know can do one-to-one coaching but like I say it's going to be it's a plan it's going to be a, a lot of thinking a lot of long-term planning a lot of discussions and hopefully in years to come that will come into fruition and um, hopefully people will see the model come into reality yeah it sounds yeah, really definitely. fun it, it does sound good because you can have like like a whole team of people, like staff even, and, and then like yeah, it, it sounds really um a good prospect of an idea there. It does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so guys, b- before we go, I'm I, like I'm finished. I'm just gonna ask if you have any final things you want to say or uh, any more advice that you you want to say. Uh, um, Connell, do you do do you, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, so and so. Any advice to any autistic people or you know neurodiverge, divergent people out there or neurodiverse, if that's even a correct term I'm using, you know, but please follow your dreams. It doesn't. It can be as high or as you know low as they can be. You know, please please do please do follow your goals and your aspirations and believe in yourself and don't let anyone tell you any less. And particularly if you're particularly if you're in school or college or work, you've got business ideas or ambitions, you know, play, you know, fo- follow your dreams. Don't let anyone be patronising or condescending towards you. You know, fo- you know, follow that dream, you know, Re- reach for the stars. As, as cringe as that sounds, that's the advice I'm going to give. <laughs> yeah, that's stuck in my head now. <laughs> Same. Well, it, I I completely agree there. Reach for the stars. Um, uh, really good advice there. Um, Connell. Um, Corbin, do you do you, do you have any else? Yeah, I I agree with Connell. I think don't allow just because you have been diagnosed with autism to stop you from enjoying life. I think we allow people to put these labels on us, and we feel like it's a death sentence when actually just means that you're going to live a more unique life than anyone around you. Um, so I think take take it by the horns and just enjoy the best of your ability and work hard, try and start your own business. Even if it's simple as a lemonade stand or if it's washing cars for a living, like do something that will make you feel happy. Don't listen to what other people say. Don't allow them to put any labels and and blocks in your way of, of of developing as a person. To be honest, 
if you do start your own business, you know, do reach out to us because we'd love to know how you're doing and and the amazing success that you've had. Yeah, yeah, I I, I completely there. I agree with, with both of you because I like to like 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 exactly what um like like what what we're saying. Just reach out if you do start a business because it's really interesting. Um, to like it's really interesting like what you do. Because uh, yeah. it, it, loads of, or even create something new. Like you can create something new. It, it, it's 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 only else people create something new. But um, to to anyone watching or sort of seeing this episode today, um, we've hoped you've enjoyed it. it. It's been great having Corbin on the podcast for the first time and Connell again. Um, I've I've had lost count how many times Connell's been on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think about three. I think three. yeah, I think three. But uh, but yeah, I'm. I, like um, as this is going out to to everyone, this is December. So I wish I hope everyone here is having has a good Christmas and a happy New Year um, as well. Yeah, and and thank you, Corbin and Connor again. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. Pleasure.